8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. Well, it certainly is The Viewpoint. So welcome indeed to the show and a well, I'm saying a warm welcome. Maybe, maybe it's chilly in most parts of South Africa. A warm, warm welcome to you anyway. And a very, very good evening. Talking about two things, the big picture. We'll look at the issues around violence, around taxis once again. So many people dying this morning in Pretoria. And that's just one. I can rewind the last few days. And there's a series of deaths all related to, you know, you can call it taxi violence, tax, taxi gang warfare maybe, or just, uh, you know, warfare between taxes and whether you want to dismiss the word gang we'll talk about that so that comes up after nine o'clock and i want your thoughts and particularly if you know someone or you are that taxi driver i certainly want to get your thoughts on that issue our big uh hitter however for the night is uh dennis george who's the general secretary uh of uh, the it's, it's secretary general Okay, SG, Secretary General of the Federation of Unions of South Africa, which we all know is uh, FEDUSA, and that is obviously an umbrella body for a whole lot of other trade unions that fall under that. So for the next hour, basically, we're going to talk trade unionism uh, around a whole lot of other issues through that prism of uh, of FEDUSA with with Dennis George. Dennis, good chatting to you, and thanks for joining us and um, being the big hitter for the night. Good evening, and good evening to your listeners and... Uh, thank you very much for inviting me to come on your show and to share a bit of what is our um, reflections and thinking about where our country should be and what we all should do together, you know, to Ab- deal with unemployment. Absolutely. And, so so here you are. I mean, there, there's there's a few union, what, federations, COSATU, uh, I think CONSAU, if I'm not mistaken, NACTU, and, and, then, and then you people. Am I missing somebody else? There's another one that was formed recently called Saftu. Of course, that, that's the uh, Vavian company, right? Yes. yes, of course. Yeah, where so I call you the big hitter. Where, where does Fedusa fit in, in terms of the big players amongst those five? Look, Fedusa fit into the picture because we were previously a federation that brought together people coming from your more professional mm-hmm. and your skilled group of people, like your train drivers your airline pilots, your nurses, mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. artisans, and your professionals. But as time went on, unions started to throw over those kind of um, strict narrow bands. And so many of our unions are, are organizing, like the Public Servant Staff Association. They organize public servants. Mm-hmm. So whether you are a nurse or a doctor or whether you are an administrative person, they organize all those people together. Okay. So, so And therefore, in terms of the sheer numbers of these these uh, union federations. I mean, where do you fit in in terms of biggest, smallest of, of those five or six of them? You know, when it comes to giving the numbers of trade unions, it's always a big issue. Mm. I'll tell you why. <clears throat> when the unions must, uh, they affiliate to us and they pay us according to how much members they have. So normally when a union has to pay for DUSA, you always see the numbers goes down. So no, 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 it's not 100,000, it's seven, seven, mm-hmm. uh, 70,000. But when they speak to the media, they say, no, 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 we've got now 120,000 members. And so, therefore, you will always find this thing because nobody really gives you audit. But, but I mean, don't, don't you sign up? So, I mean, obviously, people sign up with a union, and then the union signs so up with federation. the union federation, which is where, yes. where you people are. Uh, but don't you then have a, a roll call or, or a database of every single union member, or you're not even allowed to? No, some unions don't even want you to go into that detail with the things. They said, look, We've got 100,000 members. Some unions are very excited. 
you can see their numbers are either increasing or decreasing. And so this thing of the union membership numbers and even the register try to bring people in and say, look, how much do you have? But I think um, collectively between Kusatu, Fedusa and Naktu, I think we're representing about something like 3.5 million South African workers. Rep- representing what, what percentage of the of the Look, it's about 20, 25% of the total workforce, which is quite low. The Scandinavian countries, you can get something up to 75%. Um, but for them, social dialogue and working together between employees and trade unions, is, it's clearly a big thing. And so they have this culture that's been going on for more than 100 years of social dialogue. So when there's a problem... The employers and the workers will come together and try to solve the problem out and also government coming on the show and to deal mm. with particular problems. Well, well, let's then talk about, about FEDUSA specifically in terms of what are the biggest challenges of your union? I want you to think about that, maybe three of the biggest challenges, and I'll get answers from you in a minute. But I also want to get your thoughts as a person listening in, when I, when I say unions, and of course we're talking FEDUSA specifically, but, but what, are, what are your thoughts about the image and the overall impact um, uh, of, of trade unions in this case, particularly FEDUSA and Dennis George being the Secretary General of, uh, of the organization? You may want to ask him some specific questions. You are most welcome. 0891104207. And if you're tweeting, it's hashtag SFM viewpoint. Tag me, Ashraf Garda, and do not forget to tag uh, SFM radio as well. It's all about the viewpoint. Hectic on three, your new favorite tween show. For your daily dose of play, creating your exciting objects and some inspiring moments. Myself, Melo, and Dante are joined by a host of fun and interesting friends daily. So come on over onto our hectic hangout. Hectic on three on SABC3 at three daily for the time of your life. to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. Secretary General of FEDUSA, Dennis George, with me. So, Dennis, let's get to that, you know, the three major challenges of your union federation. The first, it's very easy. Mm-hmm. The first one is the income that workers earn. Mm-hmm. And that is underscored by the issue of how do we increase or how do we put pressure on employers to pay our workers a decent salary because other things are impacting on them again. So that's the first one is the income. The second one is the issue of job security. Mm, mm, mm. Because, you know, any person want to have that certainty in life that my job is secure. And that's the reason why we make it um, um, difficult for companies to retrench. Because Section 189 is something that unions, you know, defend and they we try to retain people's jobs at, 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 at all costs. And then the third issue is the issue of health and safety. And it's not just about, you know, mm-hmm. health and safety from a perspective of um you know putting a lot of rules in. I mean we just recently had a situation of workers that are casting towns at drivers. So yeah, their workplace. So, so some of those workers would, would be unionized through the federation? Yeah. The, the majority belong okay. to producer. So what we have is this. In that case, we have to not only just engage with the employer, 
But the Federation has to engage with the Minister of Finance, the National Minister of Police. We need to deal with the Portfolio Committee of Finance so that all of us can come together to say, look, how do you make the workplace for mm. gas and transit drivers <coughs> safe? And how does the police play a role? In other cases where you have a, a factory, that area is closed off and so on. So there's more the employer, the health and safety representatives. So health and safety is very important. But then you get very, very difficult and complex areas like the mining. Mm. Now, when you go three kilometers underground, the area is very unstable. You know, number one, seismic movements. You know, you try to control the environment, you try to keep the place cool, but you have accidents. And no mother, no wife want to greet the husband in the morning, but she wants to be sure tonight he's going to come back. Mm, mm, mm. So those are the three big areas. It's income, number one. Number two is the issue of job security, and number three is health and safety. Okay, and, and I'll get back to that because I'll, I'll pick up on all those things. Then I'm, the question then next is, is what are the biggest challenges of trade unions trade union movements generally in, in our country and globally? Leadership. The problem is that many mm -hmm. of our people don't understand the theory of leadership mm -hmm. and what kind of leadership style is needed in the trade union. You can't have a leadership style in the trade union where you want to be the boss and you want to boss other people. And that's the reason why we clean onto this concept of servant leadership, where the leader is the servant, you know, in serving because we get our mandates from our members. And we have a motto of saying, the members come first. So sometimes, you know, government mm -hmm. or employees, they find it very difficult for us because we have to get our mandate from the members. And when they give us a mandate that they want a 10% salary increase, it is not because they didn't think about it or articulated it, but because, they, for instance, if you live in Mitchell's Plain or you live in Soweto, the distance that that worker had to travel from home to work is quite a distance. And it can sometimes take a person an hour, it can take an hour and a half. So if you take an hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half in the evening, it's three hours. And then the cost. We okay. don't have public but, 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 transport. But, but, but how does that then, when you say, so are you saying that there's a dearth of quality leadership among trade unions, A, in South Africa, yes. uh, and B, around the world? Yes, there is definitely a leadership problem, but not only just in the trade unions. We had just in South Africa a leadership problem where the whole of the country shouted that Zuma was for. Yeah, yeah. Because that was a leadership problem. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we can see the difference between um, the leadership of, of, of Jacob Zuma and the leadership style of, of Nelson Mandela. So he was more kind of a transformational leader where he got everybody to see into this concept of reconciliation, nation building, and seeing a vision. So he had this ability to go to everybody and say, this and this and this, and so people bought into that vision. But when a person like Sarah, not Sarah, when a person like Jacob Zuma came on board, you know, people were just totally switched off. And then you could see how Cyril applied his leadership style. Is it, it, is it working? I mean, it's working. It's pretty early days. Aren't we being too nice to him? No, no, no. I think he's reaching out. You must remember, he came out with this thing of walking. Yeah. You know, meet with people, shake their hand. 
tell them, look, it's good to walk, it's a healthy lifestyle, but it is his way of bridging the, the, the gap between him and them. Because remember, Cyril is a billionaire. You know, he doesn't need to do this work that mm-hmm. he's doing now. So he had to demonstrate quite clearly. But in any leadership position, there is challenges. And if you don't have a grounding in what kind of leadership you want to have, like I can give an example of Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump doesn't care about some of the other people. He only cares about the people that voted for him. Aren't, aren't we in danger of, of doing the same thing in South Africa? That that even the policies of, of the political parties as we move towards an election coming up is geared to how can I speak the language of the masses? That means I understand I need to get that vote and I will tailor my messaging to be able to get that vote. And that's political parties. And maybe the same applies to, to trade unions. Isn't, isn't that the problem? That not just Donald Trump, but everybody else, they, they are geared towards wanting to get the vote and they will change their positions to get votes. Yeah, look, the political party also formulates its mandate when they have a conference. And the one issue that is quite um, very pertinent now is the issue of the land. And some people will say the issue is the issue of the land, but it's also not only just white and black, but it's also the situation in Kozuna Natal, you know, where we have the tribal groups that says, look, you know, we've been running this kind of show for a long time. But in a modern economy, you know, people need to have freedom and they have to have the freedom to also have ownership of their property because nobody can stand, because you cannot add value you cannot have a property and you can't give it over to your son or your daughter because you don't create wealth. Mm-hmm. So this is a very important debate that we must have. Um, I think it's not an easy debate, but I think our institutions, like your constitutional court, you know, will obviously bring across the bearing and thoughtfulness and thought leadership to steer the ship because okay. we are a very young democracy. Let's see what happens. My guest doctor, well, my guest, well, soon to be doctor, and I'm saying that because that could come up, what, in a week's time, right? No, I'm doing my defense of my doctoral thesis Okay. on the 17th of July, but, you know, let it out, you know, right. it's supposed to be then a Then it'll be Dr. Dennis George. But for now, Dennis George, Secretary General of um, the, the Train Union uh, organization um and uh, and that is called fedusa of course right uh, let's then and i welcome your calls okay 0891 104207 Let, let's pick up on the issue of um, of income which is wage right um how, are you winning that battle you know in terms of where you fit as a federation versus uh, the trade unions who obviously have people who are subscribing through them and they they want they want more money you have employers who feel they can't afford it yes the research that's been done by statistics south africa show that union members across all the federations earn about 10 percent more than their counterparts who are not members of the trade union mm-hmm. and a lot of the organizations like the world bank and the imf say that you know that is creating a problem for us that is very good because we believe that income plays a very important role to achieve higher inclusive economic growth and this is actually supported by the economist john maynard keynes that came up with the theory during the depression because everybody was cutting back and cutting back and cutting back and that caused the global economy to go into depression and the only way out they came out of that was to introduce 
an income-led recovery plan. So through the income that people earned, they could buy, and that created the demand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the demand then created the need for people and companies to employ more people. And for us, it's still the central issue. We need to have job creation as the central part of our economy. Now what happens if, if organizations, whether it's government or whether it is um, companies, simply cannot employ more people because they just can't? No, no, no. Look, the point is this. You need to grow the economy. Let me give you an example. South Africa is part of BRICS. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one thing that we have a competitive advantage, because we have two oceans, the Atlantic Ocean and the Indian Ocean. And secondly, we've opened up non-visas. Any person that comes from Brazil, you only need the passport. When he comes here, we take his fingerprint, we take his photo, and he comes into the country. But other two countries in BRICS, China, they need to first apply for a visa. And you have to go in person. And those bureaucracy is creating a lot of problems, and it's putting people off. The same happens with India. And those are the two most populous countries in the world. Mm, mm. So my suggestion is, look, let a person come with a passport, a valid passport from his country of origin, so we can get more tourists to come to South Africa because they will bring their money with. The but, money. but isn't the flip side that why, why do these countries require a visa? Isn't it a way of sort of double protecting themselves so people don't just come with a passport and land up here? Not really. Uh, no. I've got a 10-year visa to go to America. Okay? It's, it's expiring now, soon. So I just went for one interview they you ask my name and everything, you take your fingerprints. And then for the <laughs> 10 years, I could travel to America anytime. Even if your position has changed? Even if my position changed. Okay. So yeah. what I'm trying to say to you, if we can get tourism to contribute more to our economy, you remember we've got lots of people that are unskilled. And the hotel, the events management, and all those places, they can take their people on board. Okay. Whether they really can, there's an issue, of course, of minimum wage that must come up because Fedusa certainly had a position on that. And we will talk about issues of poverty and we will talk about issues of land as well. 891 There's a few calls on hold. I'll get to you guys in just a moment. The show is called The Viewpoint. From power plants and rail corridors to car factories and space science, Creamer Media's Engineering News offers comprehensive coverage of South Africa's real economy and the companies and people that make it tick. Subscribe now at engineeringnews.co.za. Creamer Media's Engineering News, not just for engineers. Watch EFC every Sunday on SABC3. A highly anticipated title fight takes place on 11 August at Grand West in Cape Town when Las Vegas star Dave Mazzani takes on a hard-hitting champion, Martin Van Staden. This weekend, we look back to when Van Staden went to war with Kaleka Kabanda. Plus, relive the epic female title fight between Elisov and Penko. EFC every Sunday at 10 p.m. on SABC3. Proudly brought to you by SABC Sport. Hard-hitting interviews on SAFM. More coming from Dennis George, Secretary General of the, the Trade Union Federation, which is FEDUSA, um, and he's been in that position for a while. General, I'll get to you in a minute. Let's just, let's just get to uh, the issue of, um, of minimum wage, right? 
um, which came up in the last few months. Uh, what what has been your position? You, you understand, as Fedusa has, has been supportive when most of the other trade union movements or federations have absolutely thrown it out. No, look, you see, the thing is this: we've negotiated for eighteen months in Nedlek. And this negotiations was under the deputy president, he's now the president. So when we came, we have agreed on basically all the matters. The only one thing that we didn't agree on, and that was the level where we must put the minimum wages. Business wanted to give 1,900. Mm-hmm. Government was pleading for 2,100. And labor was saying we want 4,500. Because that is where the University of Cape Town said, it's the poverty line, and that's what people must earn. But we couldn't reach an agreement. And then we finally agreed to appoint a panel of experts from the ILO, from universities, and they went and did some research, and they came back and they made a recommendation to say that they recommend 3,500 rand, and for domestic workers it must be 80% of that amount, and for the farm workers it must be 90% because those two sectors are very vulnerable and, and so on. And so that's what um, we agreed upon. And um, that is what's going to be implemented. Okay, and that equates also to about 20 rand an hour, right? Yes. I understand. Now, it's interesting. I mean, uh, Pakamilia Klub at one stage from NUMSA saying, they the, referring to people like yourselves, they sold out the, the working class majority in this country. They sat in a boardroom and negotiated a... Uh, Basically, a minimum wage that is just murderous to to the country. Uh, I'm just paraphrasing there, right? What, what do you feel about that? But the point is this: Numsa mm-hmm. signed in the Metal Bargaining Council mm-hmm. for a minimum wage that is less than three thousand five hundred. You see, talk is cheap, and everybody's entitled to his own opinion. But 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 generally, what do you feel about the criticism that's coming? That that. People like yourself sold out by agreeing to that. Look, the point is this, you know, this thing is based on scientific research. And it's also been independently reviewed. Remember, going forward, we're going to have a, a, a minimum wage commission. That will, from now on, after this, every year, look make, at make inflation the and then they make the adjustments. Okay, but look, the critics are saying that the, the minimum wage at the moment uh, is, is a license to poverty. Uh, you suggesting, and I'm quoting you from before, saying research says that it will uh, it will help the country out of poverty. How, how will it do that? Look, if you look for instance, number one, what did we have to do when we took over this country? There were millions of people that had no income. We've put now, I think, about 14 million people that are receiving grants. Do you know what difference that makes to people's lives? You take people that was over 60. You saw on TV that people were sleeping on the pavement just to receive that monthly income grant. That is makes a big difference. I mean, other people are entitled to their opinions. The second thing that we did, we built about 4 million houses, RTP houses, to make accommodation. So there is so much that the government can do at one stage where we can set our minimum wages, and we believe progressively as time goes on and we grow our economy, we can afford, you know, to increase those okay. amounts. So, so you're saying to confirm that maybe ideally four and a half thousand or five thousand or six thousand would be better, but at three and a half, at least they're getting a job. Sure. And that's an entree. The others are saying at three and a half, they're condemning them to poverty. Yeah.
How can you condemn somebody to poverty if you look at the evidence? The evidence shows that about 6 million people were earning less than 2,000 rand per month. What happens now with that minimum wages being put at 3,500? It means many, many, many workers this is a step up, are going to get up a 900, 1,000, 1,200 increase. Okay, bigger increases than the than the trade unions generally are able to negotiate uh, for their workers, I would think. Right? Let's get let's get some calls uh, to Durban. We go, Gerald. Go ahead. Hello. Ah, oh, sure. Uh, yeah. How are you, Dennis? Good talking to you, okay, Gerald. Just two, two two issues. One is obviously education. It's probably one of the biggest human rights violations at the moment in this country that uh, we have uh, a, a workforce of teachers that are either don't have the capacity or the will to be able to teach kids how to read and write properly and pass them a trick. And, uh, you know, these core kids, most of them, majority of them black kids, are, are, are doomed to a life of the unemployable. The second issue I want to uh, take up with you, and there's been a deafening silence from all the unions on this one, is the issue surrounding the PRC. It's strange to me that Mr. Holomisa has to bring up these issues and why these issues are not being brought up by the unions, because the union should be stakeholders in their members' pensions on, a, on an equal footing with the employer. Now, uh, basically what's going on at the PRC is, is a lot of looting, and, I, and, 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 and this, the possibly the, the reason for the silence of the unions, because we know that many unions cut themselves separate deals on listed companies with share allocations that benefit sometimes the members of the union, and then there's a silence on uh, those uh, union uh, union representatives, uh, 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 and they don't speak out on behalf of the interests of their members. So, um, you know, and a further wake-up call for the average civil servant and union member out there is that they've stood by, they've watched the state entities, the state enterprises, they've watched uh, taxpayers' money being looted left, right, and centre. Now that there's no more money to, to loot from government and there's no more money to loot from the state enterprises, the very same individuals are now going after their pensions. And mm, it's almost mm. what goes around comes around. There's, there's something called okay. the Prevention of Corruption, uh, uh, of Corrupt Activities Act in this country, and there's an obligation on union members and civil servants, whether they're in the, uh, you know, whether they're in the public sector or private sector, uh, private sector to report corruption okay thanks for, and, and yeah. union members have largely failed at this okay let's get that thanks for that uh, gerald um for, uh, go, go ahead dennis respond to those uh, those thoughts yeah look let me respond to the first one the issue of education and the fact that some of our teachers don't have the ability to um teach maths and science but you can see the biggest revolution that is taking place and I also did that with my own son. He said, just go onto the internet. And when I help him with his homework, you know, to go over algebra and all these things. And it's great help. So even if the teacher fails, you know, there is a way for the learner to but be not able everybody's to. going to have the internet. I know. know that. And that's the reason why I say what we must do as a solution. Because it's easy to point fingers and so on. If some teachers don't have the ability, let us give them in the classroom the necessary support measures because at the end of the day we want to upgrade our teachers 
Mm-hmm. But we also want to make sure that more of our learners but, but are going isn't, through. Isn't one of the biggest problems, uh, and we'll get to the PIC thing just now, uh, the initial point you made that you want to make it, uh, you as a union wants to make it as difficult as possible to retrench people. So in principle, it's right. But doesn't that take away the, the incentive of, you know, or the reward of you work hard, your job secure, you underperform continuously, then there is no place for you. If you, if you say it's, we want to make it difficult to retrench people. Okay, look. Isn't that a no, problem when it plays out? No, no, out? no. Look, it's very easy. The issue is this. A person can contract and determinate it for three things. The one is misconduct. The one is lack of performance. And the third one is, um, um, now I forgot it. The third one is misconduct. Okay. So in terms of the one for operational requirements, you know, in the private sector, a company would come and say, look, we're not performing very well. And therefore, we're now going to offer people that came in loss and then for their retrench. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why it was easy during 2008 when the crisis hit us, we could have actually reduced the work- workforce with about a million people. Um, the big issue for us is this, is to try to strengthen the relationship between the employer and the worker so that that relationship is beneficial to both of them. Okay. Let me come to the issue of the, the, the PIC. First, when this thing happened, you, you can go and Google this thing. FEDUSA was first union out of the blocks that dealt with the issue of Steinhoff mm-hmm. in a proactive manner. How? We what, what did even you do? went after them to collect all the minutes of their board meetings. They gave us, we went to the offices and we got the information from them. We were the people that went and engaged directly with the board. We've also put pressure on the uh, PIC uh, during the voting time to pass those resolutions, okay? As far as I'm concerned, the reason why we have Steinhoff was because we have unethical leadership. People that were just totally dishonest, okay? And if good corporate governance fell, doesn't matter what company it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. The second thing that we've did, we've pushed government to amend the act and what we will have in the future that we will have worker directors sitting on the board of the PIC so that we can be involved when the workers' pension funds are being we will buy equity stakes well, in companies, exposed in that case, or we yeah. can. Then mm. we can be there because we don't have to. Because well, now why is that never happened? So is that going to happen now? Yes, we've we've pushed governments on those things. Secondly, we also want to put certain conditions like taking Steinhoff. In Steinhoff, the pension fund bought about over a period of time of about nine point five billion rands of mm. shares. Mm-hmm. You remember the share price drop, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the value of the shares now rock bottom. Okay. People are asking, what is the solution for Steinhoff to recover? The only way for Steinhoff to recover is not only to sell assets, but they must also start to trade themselves out of trouble. Okay? And therefore, they need to increase the business output, and that's what they must do. Um, And bring certainty to the market. There was the last few days some movement in the positive side. I've also personally had an engagement with a new chairperson, Mm -hmm. Ederson. She was the daughter of one of my old professors, Franklin's son. Um, so what we are believing, we can turn this country around. The money that we invest, I'll give you another example. I mean, a lot of people don't even know about it. 
that the PIC bought about the third of all the debt that is with ESCOM. They bought about 100 billion rands of uh, bonds with ESCOM and the other two-thirds are by other people, banks mm -hmm. and so forth. Mm -hmm. And the value of ESCOM is way far less than what the total debt is. And so that's the reason why ESCOM is facing serious, serious problems. And that company has to be restructured and it's going to be painful. You saw the board came out in full blast and they said, look, there's going to be a zero percent increase. Mm, 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 but you can't be tactically so wrong. You need to sit down with your workers and sit and tell them this is okay, what the situation We also know that I mean, most of the, the union federations have rejected you know, that, that initial zero percent increase. And that's why it's, it's, been, it's been ongoing since that. But, but what's the middle line to this? Why do we, we often, and I want to pick out SMSs in just a second, why do we often get the situation that between the, the unions that represent workers and rightfully so, and the employers that represent, or rather, companies that represent shareholders, it, it appears that they're constantly at loggerheads where unions often push a certain ideology to the point where even if we have to damage a company, our workers' rights must be there no matter what. It means that there's never a big picture scenario, which is, for example, if ESCOM is, if ESCOM is damaged, employers are vulnerable. Right and, sure. and and many other state-owned enterprises or even private companies, but but often and I'm not saying that's the reason, but often in the negotiations with with uh, employers over or management over over salaries, uh, I often hear a very militaristic stance to say it doesn't matter how they damage, we just want our pound of flash, which is whatever it could be five percent, ten percent, whatever is negotiated at the time. Look, look we've 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 met with government. And we've met with the president and we said to them, look, we want to move away of this thing of them versus us. And the government agreed with us to appoint also independent worker directors to the board. And we confronted the president on that. We said to him, but look, here you had the opportunity mm -hmm. before you went to divorce. Why did not you not put in like the Germans and the Scandinavian countries have it. See, you know, government was just trying to fix this thing up. Quick, well, quick. Well, will, that, will that weaken trade unions if that happens? It will strengthen trade unions because you make the board of the company more inclusive. Because remember the company law have also evolved. And in the company law there's a, a committee which is called the Social and Ethics Committee. So that social ethics committee is the committee that's supposed to look at your workers, you look at your community, and you look at what is the role of the company in the society. But you can see of the quality of the social and ethics report that comes out. The most important thing that they look at now is the audit financial statements. And some of these companies are messing around with that. And that's the reason why we find okay. there's a collapse of corporate governance. My, my guest is Dennis George, the Secretary General of, of uh, FEDUSA. There's a, there's a range of SMSs. Let me just pick out and you can answer them. Uh, Ashraf, the union stand up for you when you are working. What about those who are not working? Coming from Alex Motsamai. Quick quick answer to that. When, yeah. you, when you're it's, not a, working. it's the phenomenon of the insider versus the outsider. Mm. And then you must ask the question, why is the person on the outside? It's because that person is maybe battling to get the job. And what we are doing is we are encouraging government to create more jobs because more people that work will mean more revenue for government. 
and that will make our deficit smaller. So we are in favor for companies to take more people on. But, but isn't that the point? You'd want more jobs no matter what, even if the companies can't afford them, because that's where your strength lies. But companies, as long as they're making a profit, and remember, no worker wants to work for a company that doesn't make a profit. Because at the end of the day, when you want to negotiate, you want to make look at the balance sheet, look at the income statement and say, look, how do we split the cake? How much do we give to the shareholders as a return on the investment? What about investing in future? And then how do you reward your staff? But what we're having is the CEO and the remuneration committee, they take the first and the biggest cut, and the rest of the other people must live with the crumbs. Isn't it as it should be that the CEO is like, well, you just said you want good leadership. Um, earlier on, uh, whether it's the leadership of a mining house, whether it's a trade union like yourself, Dennis George, or a, or a soccer club in the context of a World Cup, ultimately that coach is, is the single most important appointment. So big rewards if that person succeeds, but also first to go if, if that if that organization or that club like Germany gets knocked out of the World the, Cup. But what the, I mean, isn't that the way no, it should no, be? No, no, no. There has always been a problem when it comes to wages. Not only just between the CEO and the, and the workers, but also in terms of the gender parity. You find a woman would do exactly the same job like a male counterpart, and they just pay her less because it's a woman. Okay, there's more. Uh, let me just uh, pick out uh, these. Uh, right, so freaking uh, Dalin Yebo, so tweeting his people saying, was it really necessary for Fedusa to pull that publicity-seeking stunt of trying to interdict the name Saftu, of course. Tell me about that. Yeah, look, it's a very easy thing. Our NEC took a decision. Our name, and we were now first there, is the Federation of Unions of South Africa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What they did was turn the name around, the South African Federation of Trade Unions. So it sounds very similar. And then they asked us to let our attorneys give him a letter and so on. And the rest... Well, we decided not to pursue the matter any okay. further. But, but the reality is, 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 as it stands, if you if you speak it a bit as an acronym, then it doesn't sound the same it doesn't at all. Make it. That's the reason why we wanted them just to agree, just to use the okay. acronym. Well, then it would have been fine. Okay. There you are. Let's get let's get further thoughts here. Let's get to Jeffrey from, from Woodbank. Jeffrey, go ahead. Hello. Hello. How are you? Actually? I'm very good. Go ahead, Jeffrey. What's your viewpoint? Fine. I just want to ask uh, George uh, from Pedusa's side uh, hmm. regarding this... Um, the amendment of the, the bill for the workers to go on um, the referendum before they, they can go on the, the strike as to what is their, their, their stance on that. Sh- referendum on a strike? It's not a referendum, it's a ballot. A ballot to go. So what, what do you want to know about that ballot? I just want to know what, what is their stand on that. Are they pro it or are they against it? Okay, uh, Okay. go ahead. I, I think it's very much a principle yes, thing that you no. do on an ongoing basis. We, we, we do that all the time. We have to ask our members before we can go, and you have to use a scientific way that you can show the majority of people want to go on a strike. That's the reason why we support the strike ballot. Okay, let's get, let's get further thoughts then. Uh, Peter from Cape Town. Peter, welcome to the show. Good talking to you. Uh, good evening. Evening. Uh, I'm just thinking it's really hypocritical of the government. <coughs> Because of EPWP workers, mm-hmm. uh, only about 11 rand, that, that, that's just their minimum, 11 at the moment. Okay, your, your, so, your point is? And uh, they're proposing a minimum of 20 rand, but the government is giving uh, the EPWP workers 11 rand. 
Okay, let, let's get a that response is, on that. Yeah. That's 55% of what the minimum wage is. Okay, let's get a response on that. Thank you for that call. Dennis, go ahead. Yeah, the expanded public works program is one of the programs which is more directed <laughs> that government tried to get people into employment, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. So it's not like we I'm employing in a gainful way in the other parts of the sector, and that's the reason why they have this particular thing. Look, if I could have my way, I want us to do away with expanded public works programs because there's a lot of abuse. I'll give you, for instance, an example. Where the municipality were, for instance, now supposed to do the cutting of the loans and give people a proper, decent mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. Where a person worked for the municipality. Like when I walked into this building tonight, I went and spoke to one of the cleaners. I said to her... Wow, which, which union are you with? Yeah. No, no, I didn't ask her. I asked her if she would like her job to be insourced. Okay. In other words, that she rather work directly for the SABC. What did she say? Yes, please, Mr. George, can you help me? So what more workers want to be, they want to have a relationship with the employer. They want to know, they don't want to work for one-year contract. You see? And that's the reason why, from producer side, we know it's a job creation effort from government, but this expanded public works think a lot of municipalities... Is it, isn't the danger with, with insourcing that there's a whole lot more obligations from an employer and therefore they're likely to employ less people? The unions will help them to regulate the relationship. You see, there's also times where we will tell our members, listen, you can't come late. You've got a contract. Your contract's at 8 o'clock, and it finishes at that time. So with the employer, we have to regulate the relationship, but we also promote decent work. Okay. Let's talk about about unions competing with each other. I mean, interesting that the, the SAF2 and the, the, the other issue came up. I'm talking about whether it's unions or union federations. I mean, the reality is like, like everywhere else. You, you're fighting for market share, aren't you? Not really. The point is just because we believe in freedom of association. You know, if a person wants to belong to Vedusa, he can belong to Vedusa. Our stance is that the union must be independent from any political party. Kusatu believes they want to be in an alliance with the ANC. And so that is the dividing gap between us. Have, have you always been aloof from political parties? Yes. And, and is that your stance even now? Yes. Why, why do you think that works? Look, the issue is this. You don't want to contaminate the workplace with party political issues. It means you're going to campaign all the time. When it's local government elections, the workplace becomes unstable. Look at what's happening in local government. In local government, you have the ANC getting into power, all the senior positions go to ANC mm. comrades. When the DA takes over, then we must say to them, guys, you can't purge these people. You see, so what we are saying, there's a place for the politician and there's a place for the administration. And the people that's in the administration must okay, serve that, whoever it, is it in It just power. so turns out that the, that the, the one relationship uh, or ally has been between the ANC, Kosatu, and the SACP. So it just so turned out that it's been with the ruling party and for for, for all intents and purposes the dominant uh, union uh, federation in the country. Has that been harmful to, to, to governance uh, over the years from a government point of view? And has it been harmful to to unions and workers over the years. I'm talking about this 20-odd year relationship. Yeah, look, between Kusato and Fedusa and Naptu, we always had a very good relationship in Netlack. We would always caucus together to find a common ground. 
and then we would negotiate with government. And there was times, for instance, where our position, when it came to the issue of labor brokers, for instance, you know, where we said, look, Kusato was calling for it to be banned, and mm-hmm. we said, look, if you ban it, it goes underground and it still continues. If you regulate it, then at least you can control it. And so that was also the position of the ANC. So there's no hard and fast rules. And I think the government also tried to keep their distance because they are committed to the International Labor Organization Convention of 144 to say that, you know, unions must be independent from employers. So, so would you say principally unions when they aligned to the to a political party and more so the ruling political party, mm. that, that, it's, that it's a no-no? Yeah, no, it's a no-no, but you can see what happened in Africa, what happened in Zimbabwe, what happened in Ghana, what happened in other countries. We meet with them often, they said, Dennis, you know, we were also in love and all these things. So wh- why do you think it's happened then so often? Look, it's normal because remember when you have a colonial master, then civil society and everybody will club together. The same thing happened in South Africa. On apartheid, everybody came and now we're over Mobilized three. against a common enemy. Yes. The same thing we did when we mobilized against Zuma. You know, and we put pressure and pressure and Zuma must fall. And finally, it got through to the ANC. <coughs> and then after the local government elections, they saw that they lost um, Swanee Municipality, Johannesburg, and they lost Peter. said, we must, must marry this person. So civil society has a strong voice. Okay, but, but not to be aligned, uh, maybe ally on an issue, but not, not overall alliance, which is different, right? Billy from Port Elizabeth. Welcome to the show, Billy. Billy, hi. Yes, Ashraf, is Billy. Yes, you're on the air, Billy. Go, go ahead. I'd love to get your uh, viewpoint here. A, a comment to Dennis George. And I look forward to, I mean, to him having his PhD, as I said, it's not that difficult soon. Mm-hmm. Um, minimum wage that they agreed on, 3.5. Mm-hmm. Although I'm in PE, I'm going to base my scenario on a domestic worker staying in Karangua, north mm-hmm. of Pretoria. Mm-hmm. From Karangua to Marabastad, about two rents it will take from Arabastad, you know, to Philip of Jobek, about 50 rents, and then from there to Brist and from Brist to Sentin, 100 rents per day, one way, 200 rents, and back. Now, how do you spend 400 rents coming back, yet you are earning only 160 per day, roughly, right? So, my point is. I take a dim view of unions and politicians always standing for the poor and the poorest. I take a dim view. Can you, George? So wait, why are you taking a dim view? Like, what, what is wrong in standing for the poorest of the poorest? Well, the thing is, everybody is entitled to their opinion. I agree with him 100%. Politicians world over put on the bed banner or they valorize or they ventilate moral principles mm-hmm. and power principles. And this is not is All right, we know we're losing you. Your line sort of breaking up. Billy, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'd love to have continued chatting with you, but it's just breaking up completely. Got uh, Certainly got the initial point of what uh, what Billy is saying. We'll get a response from Dennis George from Fedusa in a moment. By the way, we'll, our big picture coming up just now is about the spate of 
taxi-related violence, so basically inter-taxi, maybe intra-taxi violence, taxi versus taxi, um, and and uh, and what that means, and, and and what needs to happen. So it's not just violence; there's actual people dying. Uh, so extreme violence in this case here. Why is it ongoing? How do we fix it? Can we, in fact, fix it? At all. Uh, there's some SMS I'll pick up and I will check out, check out your tweets as well. Hashtag SFM Viewpoint in a moment. Did you know that the Department of Trade and Industry recently led a group of companies to Expomin 2018 in Chile to showcase their mining products and services? Companies such as Swagefast, Hydropower Equipment, Karma Industries, Corrosion Services, Conex Manufacturing and Design Software received positive leads at the Expomin, which they are now following up to convert into sales. So, if you are a registered exporter with export-ready products or services, visit the dti.gov.za for the list of 2018-2019 national pavilions. The DTI, towards full-scale industrialization and inclusive growth. Watch EFC every Sunday on SABC3. A highly anticipated title fight takes place on 11 August at Grand West in Cape Town when Las Vegas star Dave Mazzani takes on a hard-hitting champion, Martin Van Staden. This weekend, we look back to when Van Staden went to war with Kaleka Kabanda. Plus, relive the epic female title fight between Elisov and Penko. EFC every Sunday at 10 p.m. on SABC3. Proudly brought to you by SABC Sport. The Viewpoint on SAFM. All right, there's a question about teaching, and I'll get to that in a minute. Dennis, just respond to that, that call. Yeah, let me respond to, to Billy mm. um, very briefly. Billy is correct. The costs for transport between the townships and from town, mm. and mm. I've mentioned this point before, mm. and I used the example of Mitchell's Plain being far removed from Cape from Town. From the city of Cape Town, yeah. And mm. what we have is the only reliable transport that we have is taxis. But what the taxis do, the minute when the petrol price go up, their prices go up. But when the petrol price come down, their prices don't come down. The second problem is we don't have a reliable public transport system. And that is something that we have to build in now progressively. We're starting now in Gauteng, but we need to expand it. So that is something that's very Once we have a, 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 a public transport that's reliable and it's cost-effective for our people, but that could then be we like bring 20, the cost. But years to wait. No, for but the for most of the people listening, they're going to be out of employment. Some people are going to be have passed on by the time those issues get resolved. I mean, how much time do we need for that? Yes, that's the reason why, you know, um, uh, it's always encouraged that domestic workers must try to stay in with you, with their employers if they can, so that they can, you know, save costs and then maybe go home on a weekly basis and so on. Um, the other issue that I wanted to raise, and I think this is something that's very important, um, is the issue of a greater inclusiveness in the workplace. We really need to go away from this adversarial approach that was used by the English. And you remember in England we had Margaret Thatcher and we had the National Union of Mine Workers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, 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 and the leadership could have seen that it was really the end of the coal mining situation because the prices for the coal that they mined in England was far more expensive than what they could pay if they imported. Mm-hmm. And Margaret Thatcher saw that and she smashed the union. And what we want to do, and we have about, some of our unions are more than 100 years old. And serving workers for that time, I can give you an, we've got the South African Typographical Union that was established in 1894. 
<laughs> that union is still going strong today. It's now the new technology that's coming in with the printing and the digital that's affecting it. But I mean, is, isn't that the point? So if, if, if coal in England with Margaret Thatcher and I think it's Arthur Cargill, if that's moved on, you're now having artificial intelligence. How are you going to secure all and those jobs? And the digital. So well, absolutely. Something for you to consider, right? Here's a, besides some of the people calling in, you actually can send us a WhatsApp uh, voice notes, okay? 0614-104-107. Here's one of them. Hi, Ashraf. Hi to the listeners of SAFM. It's, it's Ben Mapaila from Savi. I want to know from your guest there, what is his solution in terms of making sure that the the state-owned entities, regardless if maybe they have EPWP, they should align the the wages of the EPWPs to the salaries of their permanent staff. Is it something that maybe it should it's, it's worth looking into or or what? Because you find the same company will be employing young people in, on EPWPs for like uh, 1,800 and the minimum wage is 3,500. It doesn't make sense. Thank At SAFM Radio and at Ashraf Gada on Twitter. We got to, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, let me ask you this. You can answer this in one go because you've got about a minute and a bit to go. So here's one. As a teacher, I take serious offense to a speaker that says, the teachers are not teaching children how to read or write. How did the very same teachers uh, teach pupils how to read and write 30 years ago? The system of education was changed by the government of the day. The illiteracy is the direct result of the changing of the curriculum by the powers that be. Please don't blame the teachers. Blame the policy from Benny Horn Horn in Carnarvon, right? Uh, right. You got about forty-five seconds to answer maybe that point and and the previous uh, that voice note we had. Yes, I like the question that Ben is raising about expanded public works. He actually agrees with me. Mm. I believe jobs like cleaning, you know, and those security jobs, mm. like Herman Mashaba did over the weekend with the, the, to the, insource. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we believe now it's in the fashion to insource the jobs because it will help us to create more decent work for our people, and especially those that is right at the bottom. But what's going to happen with many of the companies that are involved in security and cleaning? But the other companies are going to take the people on. But those companies, they, they, but the, they exploit the bosses them. won't be there any longer. They won't have a company. Yeah, no, no. But the point what I'm trying to say to you <laughs> is take a security card. Those people are now getting medical aid. They will qualify for pension. And remember, pension is very important, not only for the worker, but that pension money will be pumped back into the economy. Okay. Give me the economy growth. We're going to wrap up. We've got news now. Fifteen seconds. Your your comment on the land issue. Just just a pronouncement. We'll we'll debate it some other time too. Like I think there is a problem when it comes to agricultural land, and we need to get Agri South Africa and the government and the other social partners to sit together around the table and come up with an amicable solution. How we're not just going to share the land, but how we're going to share making the output for agriculture higher. Well, there you are. Agri essay to prevent some anger from people. Dr. Well, I'm saying Dr. Dennis George is going to be in my mind now, by the way. Uh, Secretary General of Producer, great chatting to you. Thanks for allowing us to put you in as the big hitter for the night, okay? We'll have a podcast up of this particular interview sometime around lunchtime tomorrow, so look out for that. Let's get the news now. It's 9 o'clock.